Hi, welcome to Morning Talk Show. Um, today, my conversation with Tim Freak, F-R-E-K-E. Tim is a philosopher from England, and uh, he, he's got uh, quite a long history, a lot of books that he's written. Um, he has a concept called Univigilism, which I found particularly interesting and we discuss in the conversation. Um, he has worked to kind of um, fill the void of spiritual practices that we're kind of experiencing in in this kind of day and age. And um, he came to my attention because he had interviewed Ian McGilchrist, Rupert Sheldrake, and Ken Wilber. Uh, so I thought, wow, anybody who, who has access to those three guys must be interesting. So I checked him out. Turns out he's very interesting. He's a handsome, dapper British gentleman, and I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you do as well. If you do, like and subscribe so that you can uh, hear about more of this kind of content. So now my conversation with Tim Freak. Uh, some beauty. Oh well, my God! Yeah, it's uh, it's. I'm so pleased. You know, it's such an amazing, amazing process. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that that's. Um, I I find like I'm not a, I'm not actually uh, designated a philosopher of any kind officially, but having kids through my philo- philosophical brain into absolute overdrive. I don't know if you had that same. Oh, the minute. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's uh, so many things that were passively, that were sort of passive beliefs in my mind. It was like, oh shit, I gotta get these, these have to, these have to be real or or gone because I don't have room for them anymore. Or it was like that. it was uh, a huge. The biggest transformation for me was it kicked me out. I mean, I was on my way out anyway, I guess. But it just, I just knew that the what I think of as negative spirituality was over for me. There was no, there was no way anyone, you know, when I held that little girl in my, yeah. just saw her open her eyes for the first time. There was no, yeah. no way that anyone was going to tell me life was an illusion. Nothing really mattered. Right. Um, the self was something to avoid. None yes. of that was going to, was, was going to work for me anymore. Oh, very relatable. Um, I guess, I guess we're going here. Uh, but, uh, uh, what I also found, you said negative, <laughs> you said negative spiritualities. I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm from a Christian background and, uh, it interestingly, uh, I, I wouldn't actually call what I had in my, um, oh, it says, it says I have an unstable connection. Let's see. Are we back? Um, Okay. I wouldn't call it necessarily negative spirituality, but maybe mis mislabeled, like things that weren't spirituality that were being labeled as spirituality or something. I realized, whoa, this isn't even spirituality that I'm involved in. You know, um, I don't know if if that resonates with you at all. What, what sort of thing do you mean, Aaron? Explain what you mean. Um, let me think. Um, well, I guess a lot of a lot of the ways in which I was being encouraged to connect with God to, you know, to connect and experience God were very, uh, uh, very cluttered, very, um, a a lot of effort, um, a a lot of, of striving, a lot of shame from my side in in how to experience Mm -hmm. God that I, I was just never, you know, there is the, we, we had to be still and know that I am God, which is a wonderful, verse but i was never still and i don't know how much of that was me and how much of that was um my conditioning or my environment uh but uh yeah it it, it 
I, I just realized I was putting a huge amount of effort into it um, and, uh, and not, not having an experience of, of anything kind of transcendent or something like that. Um, but uh, anyway, wow, we really got going uh, right off the bat without any introductions or anything. Tim, uh, <laughs> Tim Freak, it's so nice to meet you. Um, so nice to see you. And, and I really appreciate you agreeing to be on this podcast. Um, I'm Aaron, as you know, and uh, I, I like to um, first tell a guest what made me want to have them or feel the need to have them on the podcast, as in your case, just like a, just a, a yearning uh, to connect with you, and then have you explain a couple things in your own words to catch people up. Um, I'm hoping my channel will be kind of a, kind of a, a collection of of things that are, are kind of forming my worldview as I go and just see if that resonates with people. So um, for me, uh, I was looking around on YouTube as I, as I want to do while I'm working and uh, three people that I've really been excited about over the last couple of years are Ken Wilber, Ian McGilchrist and Rupert Sheldrake. And lo and behold, there was this uh, handsome, dapper British gentleman talking to all three of them. So that, whoa, who is this Tim Freak guy sitting down with the, the Titans? Uh, like the absolute, to me, those guys are at the very top of um, whatever's been on my mind. So then I looked into you and not only were those conversations enlightening, but I discovered that you had this, um, this term, individualism, that um, crystallized uh, one of the big, um, one of the big kind of itchy spots in my brain. I don't know if that's a way to describe it. Um, for the last few <laughs> years is this, this tension between the collective and the, 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 the collective and the individual that seems to be at the heart of a lot of our arguments these days. Um, so yeah, would you, would you briefly describe individualism? Do you have a, an elevator pitch for that? It's a very big thing. Yes, but yeah. Okay, I'll, or, but I'll give you. I, I can give you the essence, which sure. is the. I can give you the idea of the individual. Um, is a, an individual conscious of the unity of all things? Yeah. So it's an a, a, an individual conscious of unity, and I wanted a name for it, and so I I chose individual because I mm -hmm. think that we're in an evolutionary process. And the next jump is going to be from this intense individualism that we've been through for the last few hundred years now into a, a individualism. And what I like about that, Aaron, is it doesn't say get rid of the individual. Yes. And when I start, when we jumped straight into this conversation, I talked about my little baby girl. That was part of that transition. Before that, I'd been involved with forms of spirituality, which really were saying that the individual had to go. You know, the, the thing that was in the way of me realizing God was me. Right. Um, and my experience has never been that, and it's certainly not that now. Right. It's actually, I think, you can enter these profound non-dual states from the individual, and it includes, it tr to use one of Ken Wilber's lovely phrases, it transcends and includes the individual. Yes. So what I wanted to do was develop a philosophy which could account for this process we're in, and uh, that's, that's what individualism is, the, the whole philosophy, which leads to us becoming individuals. It's a practical, but right. also philosophical understanding. 
Right. Uh, and and I, I, I've never been fully involved in any practices or philosophies that where um, it was required to kind of think of that the individual doesn't exist or to remove your individualism. But I've heard it enough in conversations with people I really respect that it had a, it had a, a welcome unseating um, effect on me and the way I was viewing individualism. Because I think it's a really valid thing to ask yourself what it means to be individual, you know, and not because I, I think that's the knee jerk reaction is, of course, I'm an individual, you know, I'm me and I'm, I'm forming myself out of stone. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of gray, you know, there's in what an individual is. That's, that's, that's my perception anyway, but that that's kind of, that's kind of a, a beautiful, a beautiful thing, kind of the ambiguity of what the, the individual is does that resonate with you at all yeah i mean i i, I think the, the general i mean often people think we're too individualistic I'm, I'm, to be honest with you i think we're not individualistic enough that there's still uh, most of humanity gets born into a culture and never ever leaves it right uh, and never doubts it they just exist within a collective mindset the great thing with individuation um certainly in the deep sense that someone like carl jung used it was that we 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 become ourselves and we mm. do that through doubt Right. The question. We, everyone grows up through a set of ideas. That's how we come into the world. And then you have to make them your own. And that requires you to stand back and doubt them and carry on with the ones that work for you and let go of the ones that don't. Right. And that's a lifelong process. I'm still doing that now. And that's right. how we individuate. And, and the, the thing which I've noticed is that far from becoming, you know, the more individual you become, actually the more conscious you are or you're conscious of more, not less. Right. No, that's true. So, you know, Those that's who have the, more will be given. Yeah. So the great, the great irony, I, I think, or the, the paradox at the heart of, of the sort of spirituality that I'm now exploring is that to experience the one, you need to become more of a someone. Right. You actually, you know, that, that's the process. You become more and more yourself. And then through that, as well, not instead, you can enter these deep non-dual states and realizing, right. oh, hang on. I'm the universe's Tim meeting the universe's Aaron. Great. Right. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? Cause you, what, the, what you're saying is spurring some thoughts um, that we feel we're too individual. And, and I almost think we, we, we also pride ourselves in, in Western culture on our individualism, but isn't it interesting that the, the almost universally acknowledged poison of social media is the, is the comparison that it, that it causes it is the angst that it causes about who we are um, daily, minute by minute, uh, scroll by scroll. People are comparing themselves to the lives of others. You know, it, you, you, you're immediately questioning your individuality based on what other yeah, people and it, are and doing. It feels like if we could, if we could just grasp, you know, firstly, just to be absolutely clear for you and anyone listening to this is that I'm, you know, what I'm not saying is it's a good idea to be egotistical or selfish or anything sure. like that. I think we need to transcend those things. Right. But, but by, and, and, and ultimately, we, we need to use the individual as a platform to reach out with this all-embracing love so we really deeply connect. Right, but, right. But, with, but, but to do that, we need to become more ourselves. And, and the great secret, it feels to me, with being an individual, I now feel as I'm getting older, is that every single person is better and worse than me because right. depending on what I choose, you know, some people are taller, some people are shorter, some people are smarter, some people aren't, some people are older, some people are younger. Any, any criteria I choose 
I will be somewhere in relation to everyone. So those judgments, it all depends what question I ask. Right. But what marks me out as unique is that I am this particular set of qualities, which no one else has. Right. And so are you. You're your own. And so that whole vortex of comparison dissolves into the uniqueness of every individual's journey, the, the way their particular soul forms. Yeah. And, yeah. and that feels like, great, then we don't need all of that. We can just, we can just allow, we can delight in the differences. Yeah. And that's, it, it's it's really hard to do it at, and uh, just when I think I'm delighting in differences uh, <laughs> something will come up that just riles me right up inside and then you go huh interesting well uh, you know why was that huge emotional response happening uh, based on that person you know why yeah. can't I forgive them for the crime of being human you know uh, just some instant reaction that I'll have which is a, is a good reminder I suppose but the other thing I have found when I've, you know, I I feel like saying through grace or whatever, when I've had the ability to, Mm -hmm. um, to accept someone for what they are and to just be present with them, you bring out what they are more, you know, it's, so it's, it's not just that you get more of yourself. Um, you, you get more of other people when, when you follow this method and, and it's, it would be. Uh, Absolutely. In those moments of connection. Oh, sorry. Did you have something to no, say? No, 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 please. That's beautiful. In the moments of connection. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge part of what I do is about connection. Yeah. And in those moments of connection, it would be very strange to say, oh, by the way, there's no you. <laughs> yeah. That would be, I, I was I, watching, oh, sorry, go ahead. So, no, no, please go. Uh, watching, um, I was trying to get my head around, um, uh, what do you call it? Determinism. And uh mm-hmm. I was watching um, a gentleman on a TED talk uh, present present it um, as though it was an exciting thing that you know, and and just it, I just couldn't couldn't get there. He had really interesting concepts and stuff, and then at the end he said, "And that's exciting." And then it, it ended. And I was like, "Hmm, okay, um, you know, this th- there's no you know there's no me. There's just this." Um, you know, automaton thing. I don't know. Never mind. That was that was a side thing. I was just the 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 attempts of people to try and make it sound exciting that there's that there's no self. I personally can't relate to. Although, as I said earlier, the, that whole strain of thinking, it, it's good. It's good to go into it and to to kind of let it rattle around anyway, so that you can question kind of what you are. You know, like like how um, I I think that um, people with like sort people with people who are transgendered or things like that, um, who who have this necessity to examine who they are on some level, have have some advantages that people who who think their individuality and their individualism uh, is just innate and never question it, they they don't have. I, I don't know if that if that resonates with you at all. It does absolutely, and and what what you know, it's like it's, it, it, for me, becoming an individual is not just like okay, well, what, you know, when I was younger, it might be when I had hair, it was like oh, you know, have purple hair, okay, that makes you more of an individual, very, but on a very superficial level. Really, what we're looking at is how to bring out our potentials, to mm. realize who we are in more emergent ways. So it's not just being an individual in any way. It's being right. an individual in a more emergent way, which means bringing out the deep goodness in ourselves. And then, as you said, in each other. 
Right. And and my work, you know, I, I I'm um you know I'm a philosopher, but I'm but a large part of what I do is about giving people this experience of of, of awakening to their individuality. Mm. And one of the most powerful ways that I've been doing that for like 20 years or more is by getting people to connect. And I'll do it with just like gazing, which is amazing. Just being able to sit with somebody and just be so profoundly connected that first of all, you, you really see their nature. Mm. And then the deeper place where there's one of you looking at itself. Mm. And they're both true at the same time. Yeah, past the awkwardness. And, that, and, that, and that's just absolute, I mean, it's exquisite. I mean, just, just absolutely beautiful. Uh, that sounds so good. I, and I've heard you describe that actually on other things and uh, been thinking, man, I'd really like to try that. Um, but uh, I, I think it's also amazing because um, it, it really uh, is coherent with uh, your individual philosophy because um, while many, many people are getting into uh, meditation these days, um, what I've noticed is that in, in conversation with, with another, in, in really reciprocal conversation with another person, um, there is another presence, and I think it's the oneness. There, there's another presence in, in the room, and what you're describing to me is like meditation that actually invites that other presence in as well. Um, that, exactly you know, that, that. that presence that is not only is there a unique Aaron and a unique Tim, then there's a unique other, other presence in the room that's not quite the same as the presence you might, as the oneness you might experience meditating on your own, which is, uh, yeah. I don't know if that it, resonates. It's a different, it is a different experience. Um, I mean, I love meditation. I love the, the dissolving into the oneness on my own. But I really also love it. And, and, and there's a huge, well, love is the right word. There's, when you come into communion with others, there's an, what marks it out most of all is love. Yes, f- absolutely. Huge, huge love. Absolutely. Um, and that's why, you know, the idea of, an, of a individual for me, Aaron, it's not a dry philosophical idea. Right. You know, it's, it's, a, it's really saying find that universal love. Mm-hmm. And that where we're evolving to, where the next jump is, is into love, is so, into a non, an unconditional, expansive, limitless love. Yeah, which I, I think the more you think about it is just synonymous with, with life and growth. Love is, there's no difference but in a way. Um, so do you it's have... the deepest thing. Yeah. On, on the practical level then, do you have a regular practice of, of um, this gazing oh let's see you've frozen up a tiny okay i think you're back do you have a a regular practice of this gazing in your own life uh yeah but well what 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 it it, is i i found generally that um practice what what is practice practice is when it's like when you play a musical instrument you know you practice so you can then get on stage and play Mm. And so what's happened for me is that over the years I've been immersed in practice and then, but mostly now I just play. Mm. And although having said that, my meditation practice has just gone very, very intense just recently, mm. but before okay. that it wasn't. So it, it, I think for me, it's not like, Oh, well, I have this practice and I do it anymore. It's more right. like, look right here, I'm gazing and there you are. And I'm aware, wow, right yeah. now, I'm connecting with something I can't see. I'm connecting with your psyche, your soul, 
yeah. which is looking back at me. Right. And I can't see that. I just see your lovely face. But what I'm connecting with is beyond that. And if I look really deeply, the whole universe is looking at itself. And it's happening right. all the time. It's, just ha- it's always happening. That's, a, that's something that's come into my mind, probably based on some of the things, the uh, conversations I've listened to you have, is the idea of the universe viewing itself. Um, and it, it actually makes, makes perfect sense because um, we, through our consciousness... Uh, like, so I guess, you know, if you were to have a, a black room, um, black velvet room and shine a light into it where no light can reflect, um, all you would have is a little white circle where the light source was. You wouldn't fill this room with light. Whereas through our consciousness, we can actually take note of changes and we can take note of like, we can actually see the movement and the change in, in, in reality. And so yeah, and it seems like a very real and not, not pie in the sky kind of notion that we are the universe viewing itself. And uh, it, there's it, one way of seeing that idea, Aaron, where it feels like it's so completely obvious. What else could we be? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the universe has evolved into you and me having this conversation. It took 14 billion years to get here, and here we are. So, what else could we be but the universe? Yeah. So we're not just the universe looking at itself. We're the universe talking about itself, having theories about itself, yeah. exploring. I mean, yeah. that, that's what we are. But we've, yeah. we're an individuated aspect of this unfolding process yeah. of emergence and evolution. No, it's really, really interesting. And I like, um, I like that notion that, uh, that your, your gazing practice is something that just um, probably s- – smoothly transitioned into your into your daily life and into your other relationships because it it makes it less dogmatic and less formulaic which i guess is very frustrating for some people who really would like to get there would like to would like to experience enlightenment they want to that we want a formula you know yeah what well, you know the practices are good don't get me wrong Aaron. you know i i spent when i was younger i spent long long periods in in meditation yes. two years um at yeah. different times and and these these things are good and i run retreats where people come together we do practices i get people gazing and my aim is to give people such a profound experience of what i call the deep awakening mm. that they can then carry it out into their lives now the truth right. is Usually what happens is they do for a bit and then they lose it. And mm. that's because like everything in life, you need to keep doing it, keep doing it. Yeah. But the more you keep doing it, the yeah. more it becomes natural. And that's true of everything. Yeah. Well, and like yourself, you've ramped up your, um, you've ramped up your personal meditation recently. And that's due to some kind of, I'm sure, felt need on your part, you know, some kind of... Uh, um, oh, you know, I need to, to dive into it was, this. Was, it was actually to, just to do with having... Oh yeah, I mean, I, sorry. It, you, it was the you, other way around, actually. It, you, it came and got me. You blank. You blanked out for a second. It was to do with having a what? Uh, oh, it, it it was the other way around, really, Aaron. I didn't I didn't ramp it up because I felt the need. It was the opposite way. I just had a, an incredibly uh, profound experience on my own journey a, a couple of week weekends ago, and. Mm. And suddenly it was like, oh, I, you know, for me, then that becomes like, I don't, I want to, I so much want to just meditate or be still and go into it. Great. That I, I just grab as much time as I can because it's, it's the most beautiful experience I can imagine. 
Are you able to, is it too personal to ask you to describe the experience that, that started it? Uh, no, I can give you a go. I, I, you know, I can say certain things about it. Some, some of it is kind of still a bit close to me, but the, sure. the essence of it was, you know, I've, I've been very, very lucky. I've had a, a lot of experiences over the last, well, starting when I was very young and all the way through my life. Um, and, but this one was in its own way, probably the most astonish, astonishing. It was a complete immersion in God. That's how it, I would I would try and describe it. Wow. So that so that Tim dissolved into this enormous presence. There was no Tim. There was no body. There was just this enormous, luminous beauty and presence. Wow. And and it was it was something I'd never experienced in that way and with that extremity before. Wow. And uh, made had had a huge huge impact on me. And I'm still integrating that experience and. And wanting to, you know, that's why. So it's like, oh, the meditations after that have, have just been like, right, I want to yeah. find that again. Um, and wow. uh, whilst I, I haven't found that again, I have, you know, been able to find the edges of it. And that has been beautiful in itself. Well, congratulations. And, and how, how uh, awesome that um, a guy with a 19-year-old daughter uh, is, is experiencing new highs. You know, what a confirmation of the work that yeah. you're doing. Yeah. It, yeah, it was lovely. It was, it was a great, it was lovely. It was, it was well, more than lovely. <laughs> it was lovely. Yeah. It was absolutely extraordinary beyond words. Aaron, wow. is what it actually yeah. was. It was, it was. Well, in, I, I'm, I'm, I'm jealous in the healthiest way possible. Um, because, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, um, I had a spiritual experience, um, that actually was the beginning of this podcast. I talked about it on, on the first episode of this podcast uh, briefly. Um, and it, it wasn't anywhere near what you're talking about, but it was, it was, um, it was a unique experience in that, um, as I mentioned before about trying to drum up the experience, um, it came unbidden and, um, and was, um, just so kind of confirming and, and the, you know, the, it, uh, at the lowest ebb of of my spiritual belief, basically, um, I had something that I that that I had to call God speak to me. You know, um, now I don't I don't want to ascribe a dogmatic religious definition to what that means, but uh, it's it 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 did make a change. It did make a change in even. Um, it seemed to kind of ramp up my ability to think in a straight line because I, I struggle with some attention issues and um, it, it came with it. It came with a change that has not gone away. And uh, yeah. it re it's really interesting. And so on the first episode, I don't know if you've ever heard of John Verveke. Um, he's, I, I have actually remind me. Uh, he's from the university of Toronto and he's a cognitive scientist um, so he, he has a book, he, he, he talks about awakening from the meaning crisis. That's his, um, his podcast mm -hmm. is awakening from the meaning crisis. If you two had a conversation, you and John Verveke, I would be, you know, I'd have my bag of popcorn. I'd be sitting in my PJs <laughs> listening to that because that would be beautiful. But one of the things that he kind of, I described this experience and I went on and then he said, hold on, I want to stop you there. Um, I just want to affirm in you, uh, he's not a religious guy at all, but that that was real. What you experienced was real because you'll get people yeah. telling you, you'll get people telling you that it wasn't real. 
in society, you know, or I don't remember it. He said it better than I am, but, um, and it, it, that also felt really good. And it was like in episode one, here's somebody, uh, you know, Fantastic. confirming. And so here we go. And, and, good for and him. yeah, well, thank you. And I, I actually really hope you guys do connect. He's, uh, he's amazing. Um, but, uh, yeah. So congratulations on your, uh, on, on your, the, the thing about experience. them is it feels like, you know, the, the way it felt is like, is it, I want it, 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 it because of these more emergent states, I don't know if, if this rings a bell with you, but mm. all the way through my life, when I've hit those really deep experiences, especially this last one, I want to say it's more real. I mean, actually mm. I think it's all real. Right. And that, 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 that what happens is it's where your attention goes. So my attention was no longer on Tim. Tim was still there, obviously, because he's mm -hmm. back here. And yeah. that's a good thing. And coming back to Tim actually was not like, oh, no, here comes Tim again. I'm losing God. Oh, yeah. It was, like, it was lovely. It was like, yeah. oh, there's Tim. How nice. And, yes. and, yeah. and, a, and a real sense of being held in this enormous love. And, mm. and, and there was my body suddenly. It was like, oh, body, good. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and beautiful. But when my attention was catapulted away from Tim temporarily for that period, there was just this enormous, I say just, there was this enormous luminous presence. Right. And it, there was no, there was, it was non-dual as they say. It was right. just, yeah. just, and, and, and in, in, and in that, when my attention is dissolved in it, yeah. it is the most real. Now, yeah. now my attention is much more back with Tim and I'm here with you talking. Yeah. It's still there, but I, but it's less dominant, much, 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 much less dominant. Right. And, and that's, uh, that feels to do with, so we can see that it's all real. And, yeah. and the great problem with meaning is that we're not taking these profound experiences seriously. I've, I've you know, been exploring them all my life, so I do. Mm. But, you know, yeah, he's right. You will yeah. get people telling you that they're not real. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting. Yeah, it sounds like your experience was a was a confirmation of of the larger reality, and then a confirmation of the of the individuality, um, yeah. because our consciousness. Um, I think our consciousness allows us to be um, uh, a component of reality, which uh, which can choose to engage in in the movement of reality, which can choose to engage in the movement of life, and as such, can can really flower out in in all kinds of, of ways that maybe nobody else can, can, and, and we can also turn on other consciousnesses, hopefully to this larger, yeah, this, this individualism. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's a really interesting concept. So, um, I was going to ask you to answer your own question because you start off your, your podcast, um, the, what is life podcast with a question that I keep expecting the person to just kind of laugh and say that's too much. But I guess because of the type of people you talk to, you say, what is life? And they actually launch off into an, an answer of, of what is life. So having done that so many times, what would be your answer to the question, what is life? Oh, what fun. <laughs> I, my favorite response, I think, was actually Brian Swim, the cosmologist, who did just laugh and laugh and then oh, said okay. some amazing I things. I didn't. Well, oh, no, I did. I did listen to that one. Yeah, he, la he laughed yeah. forever. Yeah, he, he but just he has, laughed. And it was, but he has that very calm, present uh, kind of personality he where he doesn't mind to take the time to laugh, which is really which is interesting. Really. Yeah, he seemed like he'd be a good guy to spend time with. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. he's lovely. I really, really, really love Brian so much. 
what is life? Okay. So, you know, first of all, like many of my guests, the place I have to start and end is with just mystery. That's the start because any ideas have, are like dust in the face of the enormity of the mystery. But having put that as the foundation and not dismissing that and, and starting from a place, I hope, of genuine humility in the face of it all, mm. the place I've got to at the moment, Aaron, is to say that what this is we're in is a process of the realization of potentiality. And um, one way of getting into that is like maybe quasi-scientific way of getting into it would be like, well, if we go back to the, the so-called Big Bang, the beginning of this particular universe 14 billion years ago, what can we say about where it came from? Well, nothing except one thing. Wherever it came from, it was the potential for the universe because the universe right. came from it. Yeah. So what seems to be happening for 14 billion years is that that potentiality has been realized in ever more emergent ways, meaning it keeps becoming richer. So we've gone from hydrogen to you and me having this conversation, which is mm. a hell of a journey over 14 billion years. Mm. So it, and, and there's something about that. Well, there's two things about it which really work for me. One is when I look at the moment, I see that, and this can seem trivial, but I think it's deep. Every new moment is realizing a new potential. Mm. It's never happened before. So this is a new moment, you know, us meeting, our conversation, it's all mm. new. It's always a new, always new. And in mm. that newness, we are formed. And then the other thing I notice about every new moment, and this is about the nature of time, is mm. that every moment in, contains within it implicitly everything that's happened in the past. Right. So in this moment, there's you and I, you inviting me to be on the show. There's you watching my stuff. There's me thinking these thoughts, me writing a book, us learning language. Oh, the evolution of the human species, uh, the creation of life on earth, the, everything yeah. is required for us to have this conversation. Right. So there feels like, what's, what, what is this? It's the realization of potentiality. And everything that is formed, there's a formless potentiality, which is forming. And everything which has been formed is formed forever. Mm. And the new thing arises on the basis of that. Yeah. So the past keeps accumulating and forming in a new way. Yeah. So what we're in is, an un, is a continual unfolding of possibility. Right. Yeah. So um, how about that? that? That's good. That's good. Yeah. I, I figured you'd have an answer. And I, I like that a lot. I like a few things about that. It's very consonant with uh, Rupert Sheldrake. Uh, Rupert Sheldrake's... Um, uh, what do you call it? Morphic resonance. It, it, to me, it sort of seems like uh, another way to, to to describe a similar thing. Although, yeah. Um, uh, what, what Rupert's got really strongly is that beautiful phrase of the presence of the past. Mm. So he's very much got that sense of, look, the past hasn't gone. Right. It is informed the moment. And I think that is one of the most profound ideas and will have a gigantic impulse and uh, impact. And, and Rupert is by far the most articulate uh, spokesperson for that. And I'm very much following mm. his slipstream in yeah. with those ideas. And I, I, I think he's done a great job. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't get a sense of, of you being uh, just a, a Sheldrake apostle. I feel, uh, yeah, I, we're all following. No, we disagree on a lot too. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. One of the things we disagree on for is, you know, for, for, for Rupert, as with, as, as, as for me too, up, up until recently, I've changed my 
my view. Mm-hmm. I held a view very similar to Rupert's and most other spiritual people that the, the, the place it's all arising from is consciousness. Okay. And Rupert's definitely feels that. And, and, and I don't feel that anymore. You don't and, feel and, that the place, the place that life arises from is consciousness. I don't think the place that the universe is arising from is consciousness. I think consciousness mm. is arising from the universe. Okay. And, 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 and there's a kind of, I don't know if this makes sense to you, but there's a kind of a, if I think, if you think about, if I, if I picture a philosophy or a picture of the way it is, mm. you know, like what's the ground, what's this really, you know, whether it's God or consciousness or emptiness yeah. or anything. Sure. There's a sense almost of what I describe as nausea. It's like, well, why is it like that and not like something else? Yeah. It's like, oh, is it really? Is that really <laughs> true? It's like you've taken the mystery and you've right. gone, no, it's this. Right. And then it feels untrue. But right. when I do that, but when I say, no, I think the place it's all coming from is the potentiality for everything. Yeah. That doesn't do that to me. There's something okay. about that idea where you go, what else could reality be but the possibility right. for everything? Right. Yeah. And that feels a better ground for me than consciousness. Yeah. Well, it's certainly more primordial, more, more base, base level. Um, and I don't, know, I don't know that I have the uh, tools to disagree with either of you at the moment, except that to me, <laughs> to me it feels like um, looking back to or looking into reality deep, smaller or bigger in, in any direction you can go, there's a fractal quality to it um, where um, we can hit on, on ideas that, uh, that seem foundational, but, but then they can kind of keep, keep moving. And I, I like that you mentioned mystery. Because when I hear that word, it twigs in my head uh, an openness to continued revelation. Um, yeah. And that's one of the things exactly that... Exactly right. That's one exactly of the things right. that... If, if you lose that. Yeah. That's one of the things that kicked me out of, of religion. Now, I'm still involved in some religious practices and that kind of thing. But what kicked me out of religion as being an answer to anything was that I, I saw very little in, in my tradition. I saw very little... Um, acknowledgement of of the mystery and no expectation of uh, revela- of of further revelation, and that just seemed to be a stoppage of life. You know what I mean? That's a that's yeah. a dam uh, against not just against philosophy, but against life itself. If you don't think things change, evolve, and 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 that revelation happens, um, and and the mystery has been on my mind a lot because. Um, I, one of the, one of the bees in my bonnet has been, uh, the epistemology of the West and how, um, it, it doesn't allow for, for enough mystery. It seems to me, uh, that it doesn't allow for a mystery to actually be a part of the way we know or, or something. I don't This is, this is probably too, too fuzzy. You mean with science? It doesn't allow that? It's not. No. Um, it's not science itself, um, because science itself is is beautifully neutral um, and beautifully open to um, to revelation, um, or yeah, and, and even the way that we we form theories. It it's mostly the idea that um, the foundations of our knowledge can't be. Um, matters of faith 
They can't be matters. Uh, they can't involve mystery. We, we, we need to remove mystery. And I guess what's, what's becoming real for me, and I'm interested in your response to this, is that um, I'm not sure if love can exist where there is no mystery. Uh, uh, and so I, I'll describe that a little bit more and then I'll get your reaction to it and see if I'm way off base. But um, when I think about, oh, and you've kind of frozen up, I just, are you just listening intently or are you frozen up? <laughs> oh. Oh. Tim? Sorry, you're frozen. Hmm, interesting. Hum de dum de. Ah. Ah, uh, hello, hello. Okay, and it's still recording. How's what? that? <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> okay, Zoom. Wow, I'm really into this Zoom thing. It's working well, <laughs> except for that I got kicked out, but I think that might be where I'm sitting in my house. Uh, okay. okay. So the idea I was, uh, I was getting into love was needs mystery that love needs mystery. Yeah. So I, I was thinking uh, a very long time ago before I was, um, thinking of things in this way, I kind of realized like I was having, I was having the same, uh, to be frank, I was having the same argument with my wife, um, over and over again. And I don't think she would mind me mentioning this. Um, uh, I, I love her and, and our marriage is strong, but, um, we were having, the same argument over and over again. And the temptation was there to view her as a known quantity. So, um, and I think that's a, I think that's very, very common and almost, it takes a level of intentionality to avoid it because um, I, I was beginning to say in my own mind that she has nothing that I don't understand. I understand all the important parts and, you know, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a road of death. Um, and, and so I, I had to say to myself at, at a certain point, um, the best thing I can do for her is to say that I don't know her, is to communicate, in it, to, communicate to her in, in the kindest ways I can that I'm expecting new revelations from her. Um, that there's... <laughs> that my knowledge of her was toxic. Um, and it wasn't her causing that. It, it wasn't anything that she, she was doing. It was, in my, it was in my default way of looking at the way you know a person. And so I, over time, I, I tried, and I'm, I'm really not trying to make myself sound, I'm giving a personal uh, example. I don't wanna make it sound like I've figured something out, but I, I started to expect changes. Uh, and expect growth, not just, or as much as I could, to expect these things and to to encourage them without being like, here's what you need to work on because I know you. Um, and so that, I mean, we did, we got, I don't know, she had a lot to do with it, but we got kicked out of that cycle of um, that perpetual argument. And so looking at um, looking at everything now, there's this element of, can you, can you love something that isn't revealed, that isn't continually, that can't be continually revealed? You know, like um, sort of even inanimate objects, you know, um, can you love, uh, you know, you, you can love a plant because it, it will grow. You can love, you know, someone who doesn't play guitar 
will not love a guitar because it, they, they might think it's neat. And if there's a craftsmanship element, they might love it. But the people who really love guitars are people who know there's a thousand songs in that guitar that haven't been written yet. And so that's, that's what jumps out at me in, in your philosophy is not necessarily, and no offense, it's not necessarily your answer to what's, to what life is, but it is the, the first, the acknowledgement of mystery before you even got into that. And I think that that if, if I had a, a gospel that I was trying to, to spread, it would be exactly what you just modeled in the way that you answered that question was saying, first, let me say the, there's mystery and it's beautiful. And then you went on. And I think, yeah, to, to me, you talk about potential and un, unfolding potential. Um, a human being who thinks they know themselves to a certainty. They think they themselves are a known quantity. Is it possible for them to love themselves as well as they could? Is it possible for anything to unfold out of someone who doesn't, who thinks they've opened all the doors to all the rooms? You, you know what I mean? Especially someone who's opened all the doors to all the rooms and then has depression or is, it doesn't, like, doesn't like themselves anymore. Is any is this resonating? You're nodding, so. I think uh, I think that's extraordinarily profound. Um, there's a book I wrote a few years ago called The Mystery Experience, mm -hmm. and what you're saying, and especially the example with your wife, I use that example, exactly mm -hmm. that example of what happens in relationship to point out just how important and, and like you, I then lead on from that example of going, look, you know that, don't you, you know, you, you fall in love and the other person's a total mystery and, and, and magic happens yeah. and you're in a split and it's just the best. Mm -hmm. And then over the years you start putting them in a box until it's like, well, you would say that wouldn't you and all of that. Mm -hmm. And then you go, the magic's gone. We have fallen out of love. Right. And we do the same thing with life. We put it in a box. Oh, it's this. This is what it is. And then it goes dry on us and we fall out of love with it. Mm. And, and all the magic goes. So here's, here's my, so, so I, I completely agree with you. I think it's immensely profound. No. Here's, here's something which, which has been a really helpful thing to me, which may be helpful to you. It's something I call paralogical thinking. Okay. And paralogical thinking is based on the idea that, that what we're in is inherently paradoxical because it's both two and one at the same time, because it's mm. both one and many. It's inherently mm. paradoxical. And we need to think in this uh, uh, both and way that the opposites coexist. Mm. So what I look for always now is how the opposites coexist. Mm. So for me, it's not either a story or the mystery. It's like these two go together. Mm. Uh, I never need to lose the mystery. It's always be, it's always more. It's always beyond. Yeah. With with my wife, I love that I know her so well, and I don't know her. Right. And she surprises me. And where is she actually going? And yeah. what will she become? And yeah. and those two things go together. Or my kids. Or myself. Yeah. yeah. And and also with life. And then the level of revelation, as you beautifully call it. It's going up all the time. So here I am, I'm 60 years old. I've been doing this for all my life. 
and it's and I'm questioning more and finding more new stuff than at any other time. And it's right. so I both feel like I know it better, and it's more profoundly mysterious than ever. Okay. And that that when I describe that experience of going into God, you could say that was the experience of going into the mystery. What was it? I don't know. What right. is the potentiality that has no yes. form? Well, it's yeah. a mystery. It's, you know, St. Paul called it the mystery of God in which we live and breathe and have our being. I love that. Isn't that beautiful? Ah, not only is that beautiful, that is one of the verses I keep going back to regardless of where, you know, how I feel about Christianity. That is one of the, that's one of my foundational verses. So that's, that's beautiful. Um, and so say the word one more time, that the term that you mentioned. I call it par- paralogical thinking. So okay. monological thinking is either this or this. And that's useful yeah. a lot of the time. You know, it's either this or right. it's this. But paralogical thinking is a both and. It goes, right. no, it's both this and this. The opposites coexist. So in, in the context of the other things we were talking about earlier, Aaron, about individuality, mm. a lot of spirituality is monological. It goes, look, either it's all one or you're an individual. It can't be both. Mm-hmm. But actually, it can be both. You can, right. It can actually be such that we are both individuals and it's all one. Right. And that's the individual understanding. That and it's both of those. That's one of the things. I, I'm really hoping that this podcast um, gains an audience of people who aren't, um, who would not call themselves philosophers but, and who don't normally, like uh, I have episodes on all kinds of, of other things that are, are much less kind of foundational than this. And, uh, and a, a thing like paralogical, a, a term like that is something that if you weren't ready to hear that, it sounds kind of like philosophical mumbo jumbo, but I mean, it could, it could, if someone wasn't interested, but the definitely, reason, definitely, but it resonates. And, and these, and, sorry, but the, it, the it, easy it, way around that, no, no, sorry. The, the easy way around that, yeah. you know, if, cause it does sound a bit scary. It's got the word logical in the yeah. easy way around that is just to think in terms of both and. Yeah. But yes. it's not either or, it's both and. So look for the other pole and have that as well. Yeah. And it's incredibly helpful in just about everything. Yeah. Usually the problem is not the thing we think's the problem. The problem is we also need its opposite. Right. We also need, you know, we need the other pole. And that right. is so often helpful. Yeah. And it's, I, a, it's a very simple technique. And it means you don't have to choose. You can have them both. Yeah. And, and the, the reason it doesn't, the reason I know that it isn't mumbo jumbo is that it has that explanatory power of actually explaining something in my experience. Um, and, and, and I encourage anyone, if anyone is listening and thinking it's mumbo jumbo to, to think of the both end and start walking around applying it to life because that, that is, that's been a, it's a huge tension. Um, that you think you need to go, you need to delve in one direction and then other things are shut off. Other possibilities are no longer there. And that actually brings me to organically to another thing I was going to, to ask you about, which is that, you know, I listen to you and, and some other people uh, speaking and, um, and get this very um, beautiful feeling of, of life and reality being, uh, being a flow and a movement and being full of change and metamorphosis and, um, and evolution and all of these words that are very scary to some people. But I, I also have to step back with maybe this both and skepticism. It's, 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 the, it's the kindest version of skepticism, what you're, what you're saying, you know, is, is like, um, it, it's, it's almost like skepticism br- bred of love where you say, 
well, okay, I love where I am with this both and thinking there must also be another pole that is also a legitimate version of reality. So what, what I was thinking is that I was raised with um, a, a sense of the permanence of God, the immutability of God. Um, and that actually the, and the immutability of, of human nature and, and the unchanging nature of, of um, uh, yeah, well, I guess human, human nature and God being the two, being the two big ones. Um, and so there were a lot of pillars and a lot of statues erected kind of in, in my thinking, um, uh, which I must say, uh, it, uh, the unknown God has always been one of them for me, I hope. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, my point is, are there people, and, and my, my, my intuition is yes, are there people who are optimized to live in a realm, to happily live in and breathe in a realm of permanence? You know what I mean? To experience the permanent, the, the, the things in reality that have at least the, the, the feeling of permanence, um, at least things that are maybe consistent enough that we can think of them as permanence. And do those people have um, an ability to find, uh, it's hard to say revelation because it's almost as though revelation isn't expected, but do they have an ability to interrogate reality um, in a useful way that, that can and should be part of the conversation? Is that too vague of a question? It's not too big of a question, but I think I might need you to say more. Or vague, um, I meant, sorry. So, 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 so it's just this idea of permanence. Yeah. There's, I mean, you said it, you know, maybe it's just relatively permanent, but yeah. the idea of somebody who can see often, often I think people, my sense is probably in a sense, the opposite to that, 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 that people when they're less awake live in a permanent universe. Right. And the more you wake up, the more fluid you see it is and the more changing it is and the more that you are changing. Yeah. And I am in that same place with you. Um, but uh, I, guess I, I guess I'm just wondering in this, in this same way in, in, uh, if, there is, uh, if there's another poll that, mm -hmm. um, that, that maybe allows, um, allows different revelations than, than this poll of constant flow. Like I, 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 I've done personality tests and I know that I, I am a, um, an adaptable adaptability is probably my primary uh, personality trait. And I not only accept change, I crave it. Um, I, I resist even to, even in negative ways, I resist um, routine. Uh, and that kind of thing. Um, and I'm just wondering if there is a, if there is a way of thinking, I'm specifically thinking about, um, you know, people, not just in Christianity, but people, theologically minded people who, um, who dig into, uh, reality from the, from the perspective that God is, that God is unchanging. Okay. Okay. I hear you. Is, okay. is there, is there a way that that can be life giving or is that, you know, like, cause, cause my, my tendency is to be offended by that. Um, uh, and I'm just wondering if I, I, I feel the need to go down that, not go down that road, but to almost redeem that road. Cause it's where I came from. 
so I, I, I see it. This is the way it seems to me. That as I sit here with you, I am conscious that there's a, there's a flow of experience, which is always happening, and it's always changing. And then there's this presence, which is experiencing it, of my deep being, what used to be called spirit, essence. Mm. And it has no form. And because it's, got, because it's, not, it's experiencing all form, mm. and that formless presence doesn't change mm. because there's nothing to change. Right. It has no qualities other than being. Right. That is the connection to God. Right. Because God is being. Mm. And so God is the, God is, for me, God is, both, God is a name for the potentiality from which it's arising mm-hmm. and the realization to which it's going. Mm. so that it's moving towards something. So the, the, the change is arising from the changeless. So the, t- the time is arising from the timeless. Form is arising from the formless. And that didn't just happen at the beginning. It's happening right. now. It's, crea- it's, always it's constant creation, yeah, rather than six days. So and there's a deep, done. so in, in, if you go into your deeper being and meditation or through gazing or any of those things, you find something which is completely still because it, it doesn't move because it has no qualities mm, and, right. it, it, and it's, it, it's pure being and yeah. there's a, everything is an expression of it. Right. And, and it's, and it's an, an immense stillness. So there is that, and it's something which is not time. It's, it's eternal. Right. So and both are present in this moment. That's the, that's the paradox. That's the paralogical thinking. It's okay. like, this is the yeah. moment is both nothing and this flow of time. Okay. So yeah. Okay. That's a good answer. So then you're, you're basically saying there is an element, there are permanent elements to this and there are changing elements. And I guess my, my intuition is probably mostly based on the fact that uh, for some people, some people like myself like to live at the, uh, find it most exciting to live at the very, at the very forefront of the change. And then other people find comfort in the concept of the of the grounding from which it's, it's coming, the more permanent. Is yeah, that a or, thing? Or I would say, yes, I think that's true. I think you're definitely right. And I think that that is a personality type and you can see it reflected in everything. Politics, for instance, you know, people who want to rush forward, people who want to, you know, hold on and be careful and all of those things. But I think, I think the, for me, what I'm saying is look, there is something formless, which doesn't change because mm. it can't. There's nothing to change. And then there's the, the flow of change. And the flow of change is a whole spectrum. Mm. So you know, the nature of a hydrogen atom hasn't changed really since the beginning. That right. stayed the same. The more primitive things stay the same. But once they reach the level of emergence of you and me, we're changing all the time, aren't we? Look, I'm changing, yeah. you're changing, the whole conversation. And, and once you go into soul, into this non-material realm of ideas, it's changing like crazy. Yeah. But you know, my computer hasn't changed much. The tables stayed pretty stable. Right. So the more the more foundational elements, yeah, are like well, Rupert Sheldrake would call them. You know, the habits or laws of nature. They're established. Yeah. And they they have a continuity, and then that's led to this greater level of change. But he also says. He also says they're more like habits. So I guess he has a sort of, yeah. he, he has a faith that even the, the fundamental laws of nature over a long enough time span will change. Or uh, I think that's, that's what I read. Or, cer- or, cer- or certainly could. I mean, yeah. what he's, I mean, the, the, the lovely idea he's got there and it comes from person, uh, uh, American philosopher originally, um, is this idea that, that 
that the laws aren't, you know, that what, what, what Rupert was the first person actually I ever heard pointed out, um, although I don't think it comes from him, is that you know, it's a metaphor. We think of the laws of nature and we don't hear the word laws. And it comes from the idea that there's God and God is proclaiming the laws right. and then yeah. enforcing them. But of course, that's just a metaphor. And yeah. actually, it works much better to think yeah. of the universe learning yeah. and falling into habits. Yeah. And then there's some very primal habits, which are the fundamental laws. And then there's new habits like, you know, like I have a habit. I talk like this because of my habit. You talk like that because of your habit. Yeah. And so is it, uh, w- one thing that comes to mind as you're describing, uh, describing this um, kind of uh, um, the more primitive things are, are, are less changing and the, um, and, and then we move into it, like forward into the change um, is, is an, an idea, a concept of home. I'm going to see if I can express it properly, but uh, I feel like we have different, different uh, experiences of the concept of home for many people that unchanging um, that home needs to be a a primordial unchanging place. Um, I don't know if this is something that, and then, and life is a, is a necessary movement away from home into change. And maybe we return home. Whereas other people like myself, I feel like I'm always on my way I'm always on a journey to home, uh, um, and 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 home is actually uh, my full potential or something, and the full potential of my children and my wife, uh, and that we we actually in embody home. The more we we delve into that, I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think it's beautiful. A home's a lovely word, isn't it? And yeah. I really, and one of the things I love in the mystical poets. Rumi, for instance, but many others, where they invoke that feeling of home. And there's a longing, I think, in, in most spiritual, spiritually awake people, that kind of longing for home and mm. all those beautiful songs that are written, you know, like, to come home. And you're right, it's a big thing in us. And, and my sense is, it's because the home is, is well, I, I think the experience I had a couple of weeks ago, that's home. And when you touch that immersion in something greater than yourself, into that enormous love, into God, it is, it's like, oh yeah, this is where, and, that, and I think it's the feeling of this is where I belong. Mm. So well, I had my first awakening when I was 12 and, and it really did feel like coming home. It felt mm. like, wow, I was, you know, this is so beautiful. But there was and, a timeless, uh, timeless element. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, there wasn't, you weren't defining that experience you had as being a return to where you were or a full, um, all the oh, way to the end of the yeah. line to where you will be. It, it kind of, both of those things were, were in one. And it, it, if that. Yeah. Cause you come out of you, your attention comes out of that flow of change and time. Mm. And there's a, and there's a feeling of, Oh, this is, and I think it's really a metaphor It's obviously home is a metaphor, isn't it? And it's a metaphor for the place where you belong, where it feels right. And my right. experience when I was 12 and it's been, you know, whenever I've touched it ever since, is that the only time I feel that is when I'm immersed in this enormous love. Mm-hmm. When this enormous love arises, it feels like home. It feels like this is where I should be. Yeah. Everything makes sense. I can't tell you what that sense is, but yeah. it does. Yeah. And, and at any other time, it doesn't. And that's home, that enormous love. That's great. I, I think there's a corollary. Like people, I mean, what you are describing is something that I think, sadly, very few people, myself included, uh, experience, um, you know, and we, um, we get glimpses of it though. We get, 
we get little we get little explosions of it maybe when we love when we love the people in our lives well and when we you know and 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 i wouldn't by the way i'm not claiming that your experience i would imagine it wasn't divorced from all the love for it with for all for all the people in your life um you know that that love was all present there as well so i'm not saying you're selfishly moving aside from reality and everyone else is experiencing that through the, their loved ones. Um, but, uh, yes, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting thing. I think of, um, I think of William Blake, um, and the way mm. that he experienced reality, the way that he experienced God and actually uh, your interview with, um, Dahmer. Bruce. Bruce Dahmer. Yeah. Mm. Um, was he he was a, a William Blake like character where the veil of yeah. the veil of reality was was very thin, um, and um, those those moments, uh, which for most people are flashes, almost like a you know a brief flash, uh, can be entered into on a deeper level. Sometimes without well, in his case, it seems like even without uh, without a great effort, almost on his part. But I, I don't really know where I'm. I don't really know where I'm going with this exactly, except that uh, I, I would like to experience what you experienced with that. Um, well, one of, one of the things, you know, unfortunately, I wish you, if you were living in the, in the UK and, you know, if, if you could get to the UK, I, um, you know, I do these, what I call deep awakening retreats. Mm. And uh, I've got one planned. I, I, know, I do come to the States, but I'm, I've got no plans at the moment. I'm going to Japan and I've got one over New Year in, in England. Mm-hmm. And what astonishes me, you know, I, I would never have believed it was true, but nearly every single person can experience that enormous oneness and love. Mm. And it's through connection. I just set up this situation where we can relax, we can let ourselves be as we are, don't have to pretend to be spiritual, all of that nonsense. Mm. And, and then enter this deep communion with each other. And, and, and the love which arises is so big and thick, it kind of feel it in every cell in your body. And, and it's a delight. You know, I love doing the philosophy. I do. I really, you know, it's a privilege. But that's, what it's, that's the foundation, is, mm. is offering people that experience. And just to see people touch it and how profoundly it changes us. Yeah. And it's right there and it's not far away. It, yeah. It's not, you know, I have that, uh, I have that sense. I have that sense that it's not far away. Um, it's not, it's right yeah. next door. It, and, and, and it can happen at any moment. It may happen to you tonight. You know, it's like you can, and I've seen that a lot of times too, where suddenly people have, and I've, I've, I've been lucky enough to have people, Oh, I can remember from right back, you know, one of my early girlfriends, you know, at university mm-hmm. be having this exact conversation with her. And her going, I don't know what you're talking about. And then 12 o'clock that night, this bang on my door. It's happened. It's happened. <laughs> there she was, right in this enormous love. I can remember walking into Kathmandu with a young guy I met on a bus. Same thing. What are you talking about? And it happened while we were there. And bang, there it was. Yeah. He was in it. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a breath away. Yeah. Uh, well, that's an interesting part of, of your um career that I also was, was thinking of touching on, it organically came up, the, the notion of, uh, or the, the spiritual practice that you are actually um, engaging in and, and, and bringing other people into. Um, and I find that interesting. I find that interesting because I do think that we need to, um, 
we need to address spirituality and the, the crisis of meaning that, that many, many people are experiencing. Um, I, I do have an intuition that some kind of spirituality is, um, is necessary and that that spirituality needs, a, needs more neutrality than, than most religious uh, institutions are neutrality in terms of uh, like religious neutrality. It needs more like, you know, like I resonate, I listen to uh, evolutionary spiritualists and things and, and, and it's very resonant. So, but, but what comes to my mind, and maybe you have a thought about this is that um, the one thing it's missing, uh, the one thing that the, that the, this, what feels like a very fresh wave of spirituality that you're engaged in, um, it, it may be missing, um, a unified mythology. Does that resonate with you at all? Is there, and is there a solution to that or is it not an issue? Yeah. No, it's a massive issue. It's a massive issue. So for me, there's two sides. The one is the experience. That's the foundation, the mystery, the love. Yeah. The, th the part where you just go is beyond words. Hmm. And then you, I think you're exactly right. We need a unified mythology. We need, or rather, you know, we need a new story. Mm -hmm. Now, all of the, the great religions are all there because at a certain point in history, other individuals, just like you and me, went, we need a new story. Mm. And then they took what they had, the past, and they turned it into a new story. And what we need to do now is the same. And what we need is a story which can encapsulate the depth of perennial spirituality and bring it into harmony with modern science. So we have one positive yeah. narrative which yeah. helps us understand the nature of chemistry and the evolution of the soul and life right. after death and God. And it's all one story. So what I'm engaged in and where my, all my attention is, it's on my screen over here right now. It's what I was doing before we started. We'll probably do some more when we leave is to try and develop that story. So univigilism as a philosophy is my contribution to that is to mm. try to develop yeah. my latest book. Soul story is that it's yeah. the beginnings of trying okay. to articulate a narrative. And That's, we need it. And we need one which will give us meaning because at the moment, the choice is between old religious narratives, which really, if I'm honest, you know, there's some beauty in them, but they've, they're past their sell-by date. Hmm. They're, they're, they're old. They need yeah. to evolve. And then on the other hand, we've got modern science, which is incredibly powerful in its yeah. ability to technology and understanding, but it is essentially meaningless. Right. It offers us a universe which has no meaning. Yeah, and, and not, not even in not even in a negative way. It's just not, it's not a meaning creation engine science. It, it can't do it. But it le what it leaves us with is something negative. Because the, you know, it, it, once you've got over the, the wonder of science, like the wonder of the universe, and it's all great and wonderful, but the small print underneath all of that is, oh, and by the way, you know, a clever monkey clinging to a rock in a meaningless universe which right. goes on and on and on with emptiness forever. And... Right you're here for a couple of minutes and then you're gone. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And if you live with that, you're living a meaningless right. life. Well, uh, and, I and, and, and I don't believe it's true. I don't, I think right. it's actually profoundly mistaken. I don't think, yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree that it's not a meaningless life. I guess what I, what I'll run something by you as well that came to mind while you were thinking and get your reaction. Um, which is that, um, <sighs> okay. Um, so I had a, I went through a period of great skepticism regarding stories and narrative, um, which I think was just a natural part of my journey where I was so frustrated that everyone was turning their life into a story because I could see, I could see the self tyranny 
and I could see the influence of culture and the influence of uh, oppressive forces in the story of themselves that they were telling. And uh, while I've come to a place where I realize narrative is just a natural human uh, institution, it's just a reality, um, I, I, still have, I, I still have skepticism. And I, you know, I love the idea of a unifying story that, that, you're, that you're putting forward. Um, but what I've been experiencing uh, myself is, I, I guess I'm fortunate in that when, when I was raised, I think it's just a personality quirk. Uh, when I was raised with the Bible, there was always a feeling in the back of my head because enough of it worked, enough of it resonated with me that, that I, I, I knew it, I wasn't, I knew it wasn't bad, but it, it, the, the, the notion was always there that this is, is just the beginning. This is, dis, this is at, in its best moments when it connects with my consciousness in a certain way is this is, is giving me a glimpse of something real in its best moments, not always, yeah. not all the way through and Definitely. not necessarily, not necessarily on a literal, on a literal track. Uh, but, um, as I have become more heretical, <laughs> um, <laughs> in my thinking, uh, the Bible has, the Bible has not, it, there's been a freshness that I, I think may go away again. It, it, there, it could all, it could be ebbs and flows. Uh, and what I'm wondering is if, um, if there was a way to communicate to people, um, maybe a more open and a more mis mystery um, soaked epistemology, a, uh, a more open way of defining knowledge itself, if we wouldn't be giving people kind of goggles through which to read many different traditions. And I think, I don't think this is even a, 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 an unusual idea. I think that is what we're doing. Uh, and like the, the Bible does say in, in many spots, kind of almost annoyingly repetitively says, seek wisdom. And that's one of the things that has, has, I'm not saying it's, it's, it's owned by Christian Christianity or anything like that, but as I have sought wisdom, um, I, I feel like I've been creating a lens through which to view uh, things like the Bible and, and it, and wisdom shifts has dramatically shifted my view of the Bible, my view of other, of, of other philosophical streams of other religions that um, I'm not, I, I, I'm not as educated about as I would like to be, but you start to see God in stories everywhere leaping out. Um, and uh, I guess, I guess if I feel like I have a mission, that's one of the things I'd like to do is, is to actually set up that lens because I, I can't picture, I can't picture an actual mythology taking place. If it does, this would be beautiful, but I can't picture the genesis of a new mythology for spirituality that would be, um, that would, that, I mean, it could be, it could be appropriate for now. It could be what we need for now, but I almost feel like frustrated in advance about the ways that that new mythology will, will age. You know what I mean? And it, and it feels well, like, a, it, it feels like it, a cycle. Aaron, the first, the first thing is what we've already touched on is that the new understanding has to be paralogical. It has to be both and mm -hmm. so it has to root itself in mystery. So here's the mystery about which we tell stories. And we need both. If I live just in the mystery, I'd be an amnesiac. 
I wouldn't know how to get to my house out of my office. You know, it's like we need the story, but also we need to see that the story is a story. It's not the thing itself. It's not life or it's right. a way of understanding life. So yes. what we need to do then is, is to find the best story. Now, the new mythology, if we use that, if that's the right word, is not going to come from spirituality. It's going to come from science. It's, mm. We already have it. But for 100 mm. years, we've had this incredible story of the evolving universe. Sure. And it really works. That's the story. That's mm. the one that's going to take us forward. What we need to do is link that story, what science does, because it's only looking at the objective world and because it looks at what it can measure. Mm. It takes us through the evolution of matter and the mm. evolution of life and then just where it reaches the evolution of soul, it stops. And right. it goes, oh, oh, and that's a byproduct of biology. Well, yeah, it be, isn't. Because it's a it's system not, of measurement. Uh, science it can't measure system, that. And it can't measure it. Yeah. yeah so it's nope. epistemology can't do that. Right. So what we need to do is go, yeah, the evolutionary process didn't stop there. From, right. you know, from, 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 from inert matter came life. From yep. life came psyche. Mm. and psyche is a whole dimension of reality it's a mm. non-material dimension we're in it right now yeah. and spirituality is all about that it's the yeah. realm of the soul right. and and it, and there is there is already a narrative which we can use which can link all of that together and then we can take the wisdom of the past and see it in a new way yeah. and bring it to life again well i'll tell you why that resonates with me uh, an interesting thing that that happened that's happened to me slowly is uh it won't be, and I'm sorry to keep mentioning my personal history, but uh, it, it won't be surprising. No, it's lovely. To you. I love it. It won't be surprising to you to hear that the that the young Earth creationism was uh, was where I I came from, and that evolution, even the word when applied to other things, uh, was always viewed with more than great skepticism in in my past, and um, and I have honestly struggled. Even, even as I have begun to trust many people who believed in evolution, I'm, pl I'm putting my cards on the table, I have struggled to believe in evolution. It's been hard for me to do. Um, and the, the weird thing is that my actual belief in evolution came through this philosophical journey. Um, and I think maybe it was because I didn't have the resistance I didn't have the resistance to the idea of evolution in, in, in the, the realm of psyche and the realm of the soul. So as I, as I've just tried to openly interrogate reality, it's come to my attention that evolution is happening. You can see it happening. You know, I, I came to be an, I came to believe in evolution through philosophy, not through any scientific argument that, that anyone ever gave me. And so that's kind of, that's consonant with what you're saying about um, about the evolution of the spirit and the evolution of the soul. So I don't know if that uh, resonates with you at all. So where, where um, uh, where, so where would you say you are now with evolution? Just oh, so well, I mean, clear? yeah, no, I, I believe I believe in evolution. Uh, so first of all, I believe in in um, I believe in physical and biological evolution. Um, though it's it's not a primary area of interest for me, so my understanding of it is it, sure. it will it will grow and uh, and and my my belief will change. But uh, I guess I, I was just surprised that what brought me to that place was actually observation of the soul and of of the psyche and of psychology and just realizing how baked into to that 
evolution is, you know, like seeing. What, what I love about it, Aaron, is, yeah. is, that, is that sense in which I look around me now and I can see all the, all the levels of evolution with me and it explains that. Mm. And it just goes, look, it started from the simplest and it became more and more complicated and richer. And yeah. I look at my body and it contains all of these different cells which contain chemicals made in stars. And the whole yeah. thing is here. Yeah. Evolution isn't gone. It's right here. Yeah, it's consonant with it's consonant with this non-dual um, version of life and reality that that you've been describing. And I think so. And so for me, it's like it, we are in a process which has come from this potentiality, reaching ever towards yeah. a greater realization. And that greatest realization of that is, is that is what I mean by God. It's like that's yeah. where we're heading. Yeah. To this, to the, to the deepest realization you can think of, and that's all one beautiful unfolding. And the real thing I love about it, and this is my real interest in you know, in meaning, mm. is it's totally redemptive. Mm. Because if we are constantly moving towards a more emergent, not in a straight line, of course, but generally, yeah. we're moving towards a more emergent future mm. because of the accumulation of the past. Yeah. There's a tendency towards greater wisdom towards greater yeah. a, a better future if that's what's happening then the suffering of the present is redeemed yeah because where we're going is better right and that's why i think god redeems everything because yeah. that love to which we're going redeems the struggles in which we're in right and, and that and, and i think through consciousness the beauty of it also is that through consciousness uh we can uh we can actively choose um to well, to individuate, to become more ourselves, to do those things that make us feel the most ourselves. And then we can actually feel that we are a part of that movement and that, that, that movement towards God, that we are accelerating that movement towards God in the universe. So, yeah. Um, well, That's we've been it. talking. There we we've, go. <laughs> we've arrived. That's yeah, the place to arrive. Yeah. That's very, the very whole point for me of the, of the philosophy is to get us to the place where we can understand the, the, the majesty of what we're in, mm. the epic nature of who we are. Yeah. We are the universe waking up to itself. Yeah. And that this life we're in, you know, it's, it doesn't end with death. The, 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 the truths of spirituality are not disproved by science. They consider alongside science. And, yeah. the, 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 we, and that we are in the process of unividuating. Yes. Of realizing that by being these individuals, Tim and Aaron and meeting, we can, we can commune as something greater than ourselves. Yeah. And that is, it's so thick with meaning. Yeah. No, it sounds, it sounds amazing. And I can say, if I could go, if I could go to England and take part in one of your classes, I I certainly would. What I do uh, pledge to do, uh, because I've been honest with you that uh, I reached out to you the minute I discovered your stuff. So I haven't read your books yet. I'm excited to read those and I'm going to go ahead and recommend them even though I haven't to anyone listening to check out more of, of what you're thinking and saying. And uh, yeah, certainly would, I would love to make a pilgrimage uh, to, uh, to try that at some point, but uh, I don't know if that's in the cards. Well, one of the things which I do do, um, which might be, is I have an organization called the International Community of Individuals, mm. which I like because it shortens to the ICU and what we do is gazing, <laughs> but the International Community of Individuals, which is an online thing. So yeah. tomorrow, I'm going to be connecting with people all over the planet, literally, not a big group, but a small group all over the planet, 
and we will be gazing online, we'll be talking philosophy, and we'll be exploring this vision of how we can individuate together. And Wonderful. that's a beautiful thing. That's a, yeah. you know, and that's something which becomes accessible to anyone. Awesome. Well, well, be in, I hope this is encouraging to you and it's been very encouraging to me. Um, and, and I really appreciate you taking the time to, uh, it's been to, a, it's to been speak a real pleasure. to me. Likewise. And I always ask everyone, is it all right if I post this uh, online? Like uh, after having the conversation, you're okay with that? Okay. I like to be- Definitely. But thank you for, thank you for asking. Upfront. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I, I always think it, it's possible someone might say some things and be like, well, I'd rather it didn't go. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, much appreciated. Yeah, um, lovely to connect with you. Thank you very much, Tim. And, go uh, well yeah, on your journey. You also. Thank you.